Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. Present the story of a guy. Good morning. I'm here. And his bike. James Bond kind of stuff. Together for the first time in their first big movie. I meant to do that. I say we killed it. Big adventure. Be sure and tell them Large Marge sent ya. <laughs> what? What? Alright guys, welcome back to the Tragedy of Cinema, episode number 43. I'm your host Jimbo, and unfortunately I'm here by myself today. Um, Terrence is still having some uh, problems, issues with vehicles and stuff, and I... Couldn't really get a co-host together this week on such a short notice, so you're going to have to just deal with my voice this time. So, episode 43, I was like, what is something that's fun to do, you know, that doesn't get a lot of attention? And uh, my dad is having some teeth pulled tomorrow, and I remember growing up, one of his favorite uh, comedies was Pee-wee's Big Adventure. So, I decided, well, since he's having some teeth pulled tomorrow, I'm going to go ahead and get peewee's big adventure out of the way so that way he has something to listen to while he's recovering and i'm not gonna lie it's a guilty pleasure of mine too because it is an actually funny movie so let's go ahead and get started i won't ask myself any questions because i already know the answers so here we go peewee's big adventure the release date was august 9th 1985 the budget was seven million dollars uh, the box office did $40.9 million domestically. The thing about it 
is it almost didn't even see the light of day. Warner Brothers thought it was a really weird movie, and they only set it out for a limited amount of release, but once they saw the great feedback it was getting, the audiences actually liked it, then then they cranked it up and it made almost $41 million. So needless to say, it definitely made its money back. And then, of course, it's become a cult classic today. Uh, the runtime is 91 minutes. This was directed by Tim Burton. And if you're not really sure who Tim Burton was, here's some of the other movies that he has also directed. Um, Edward Scissorhands, The Nightmare Before Christmas, Beetlejuice, The Corpse Bride, The Michael Keaton Batman from 1989, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, uh, Frank and Weenie, Sleepy Hollow, Dark Shadows, uh, Batman Returns, uh, The New Dumbo, Mars Attacks, the remake of Planet of the Apes, or the 2001 Planet of the Apes, I should say. Um, James and the Giant Peach, uh, Batman Forever. So there's a lot of stuff that he's done. There's also a lot of the other ones that he, movies that he's done, but I'm not going to go into all those. But this was his directorial debut. And Pee-wee, well, Paul Rubens actually fought for him because uh, to get him to do this project, he was only 26 years old. I mean, just this movie really set him off on the directorial debut because look at all those other movies that came along. And Batman did, he did do Batman, and you'll see a lot of homage to Batman in this. So um, you can see his trademarks all over that too. Uh, the writing credits uh, was by uh, Saturday Night Live alumni Phil Hartman, um, who was tragically killed, I believe, by his wife um, several years ago. Uh, Paul Rubens, who is plays the main character Pee Wee Herman, and Michael, Michael Varhall. Uh, the technical specs, um, the music was done by Danny Elfman. Um, the cinematography was by Victor J. Kemper. Edited by Billy Weber. Uh, production company was Aspen Film Society, and it was distributed by Warner Brothers. Um, off to the awards. Uh, the awards for, in the TV Land Awards for 2008, it was nominated for the movie dance sequence you reenacted in your living room for Tequila. Um, for those of you that have uh, saw this movie, uh, you know the famous tequila dance scene where Pee Wee gets up on top of the biker bar and starts doing the tequila dance. Pretty hilarious. And then also the Young Artist Awards in 1986. It was nominated for the Best Family Motion Picture Comedy or Musical. And now we're going to go ahead and jump into the cast. Um, Paul Rubens obviously paid Pee Wee Herman. Uh, hilarious. E.G. Daly uh, played Dottie. And here's some people that were uh, thought to try it out for or wanted to be Dottie or uh, that they had envisioned as Dottie. Uh, Lori Laughlin, who we all know is in trouble right now for the whole college scandal thing, but who was Becky on Full House, or Aunt Becky. Uh, Laura Dern, Phoebe Cates, Leah Thompson, and Jennifer Jason Lee. So there's some pretty good famous people there that um, would have played a pretty good Dot, I think. Uh, Mark Holton asks Francis. I can't picture anybody else as Francis in this movie because he does such a good job. Uh, but uh, technically, um, it was offered to Corey Feldman, but there was a conflict in his schedule with the Goonies at the time that we've covered. The, there was a Goonies scheduling conflict where he couldn't do this movie because of the Goonies. Uh, Diane Salinger as Simone. Also, let me go back real quick to Dot. Uh, Dottie's voice is used in several cartoons. Um, she was uh, Tommy Pickles in the Rugrats. 
she had voiceovers in uh, Wreck-It Ralph, uh, Happy Feet, and um, she played one of the Powerpuff, I think Buttercup and Powerpuff Girls, if I remember I read right. So she's a very famous uh, voice actor, especially in cartoons. Uh, so Diane Salinger as Simone, uh, Judd Oman as Mickey Morelli, Alice Nunn as Large Marge. Tell him Large Marge since you, and we'll talk a lot more about Large Marge here in a little bit. Phil Hartman, who was one of the writers, um, can be seen having a cameo as a reporter, and we'll get to that a little bit later too. Uh, John Harris as Andy, Daryl Keith uh, uh, Roach as uh, Chuck, Carmen Philippi as Jack. Jan Hooks as Tina, Ralph Seymour as Francis Accomplice, uh, the guy who steals Pee-wee's bike, Jason Hervey as Kevin Morton, Tony Bill as Terrence Terry Hawthorne, Lynn Marie as Mother Superior in Kevin Morton's film. I'm just laughing because I, I see some of these names and it's flooding back memories of the, of the movie uh, from when I was a kid. Uh, John Perrigan as uh, Man in the Red Armor. And Clev Hall as Godzilla. Uh, and yes, Darla the dog. Um, she was actually, this is actually her uh, debut. Uh, she was in the pet store. And she was also in uh, future films such as Queenie from the, Bur- uh, the Burbs and Precious and Silence of the Lambs. So there's a little furball getting some credit. Um, so we're going to go ahead and talk about this movie a little bit, and then we'll talk about some stuff that happened in the movie, like as far as uh, errors or co- continuity errors or actually mishaps in the movie that made it into the movie. The filming for this uh, movie actually uh, began on what would have been Elvis Presley's 50th birthday. So I thought that was a pretty neat, neat fact. Um, this was also nominated um, for one of the 500 uh, films that were nominated for the top 100 funny funniest movies. Um, if you haven't seen this movie, it's 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 a no nonsense, no brainer movie. It's just a good time, uh, and it tells a good story too. Um, before I do that, let's give the synopsis of this too. I forgot this. Basically, what I put was basically it's a grown man. Uh, well, a grown man child. I said. Uh, that goes on the hunt for his stolen bicycle. I mean, I remember my little Huffy 4x4 bike, and I loved that bike when I was a kid, but I don't know if I would have went through some of the depths that this guy went through to try to get it back. Um, so here, let's go ahead and talk about some of this. Um, if you haven't seen this movie, you might want to stop it now because we're going to be talking about some scenes and be jumping around a little bit because my notes are all com- jumbled around. I can't read my handwriting half the time. So, um, if you remember Pee Wee's uh, down in Texas, because he got a tip that uh, from the um, fortune teller that his bike was at the Alamo and it was in the basement of the Alamo. Well, you know there is no basement in the Alamo. The guide tells Pee Wee, but Jan Hooks improvised the dialogue for scenes as the Alamo tour guide. So all that stuff you see with her, she's improvising, um, and I thought that was really well done. Um, a thing about Large Marge when she tells her story to Pee Wee, she never blinks one time. And that's something that I noticed when I watched the movie before. She just never blinks. She just got that stare on her face. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Tim Burton and Paul Rubens brought on Donnie Elfman, or Danny Elfman sorry, as the uh, composer after Burton had attended concerts by Oingo Boingo, of which Elfman was lead singer and songwriter. Elfman was originally apprehensive, having no formal music training, but he was assisted by Boingo guitarist Steve Bartek as orchestrator. 
Uh, years later, Elfman said that he, uh, hearing his music performed by an orchestra for the first time was one of the most thrilling experiences in his life. Also in this movie, there are dinosaurs are a reoccurring theme, and this is something I didn't know until I sat down and started doing the notes, that dinosaurs are very prominent in this movie. I mean, there's some like where Pee-wee and uh, the lady goes up to the top of the uh, dinosaurs and watches the sunrise or whatever, which you can actually do that. That's an actual real sight you can go see. But like in Pee-wee's bedroom floor when he's lifting weights right after he gets out of bed, there's a toy Tyrannosaurus Rex on the window still behind him. Uh, when Pee-wee is pushing the toy, tri- uh, toy fire truck just before he runs over Mr. Potato Head with it, there is a giant dinosaur head to his left. When he slides down the pole in his house, there is a silhouette of a brontosaurus in the translucent glass. Boy, that's a rough word. I tear that one to pieces. Um, at Pee-wee's house, a toy pterodactyl um, carries the uh, bread on a uh, bread to a toaster on a string. Uh, the toy ter- Tyrannosaurus Rex squeezes an orange to make the orange juice. Um, at PB's house, the silhouette of a dinosaur can be seen on the glass next to the sliding pole, somewhat of a foreshadowing. Um, then, of course, the one we talk about, um, the one where PB gets off Large Marge's truck. The dinosaurs in the film are actually tourist attraction um, that you can go visit. Uh, there was approximately 10 to 12 bicycles that were built for this movie by the Pedal Pusher Bike uh, Shop in Newport Beach, California. Um, they actually make, uh, they specialize in like vintage, uh, bicycles and classic parts and all that. Um, they were offered $10,000 and no screen credit or screen credit only. The shop chose the money. The bike shop had an autographed 8x10 glossy of Paul Rubens that said to Mike at Peddler Pusher, Arr, from Pee Wee Herman. I mean, I don't know about that, man. You should at least put your name out there. You know, you probably would have got a lot more business, especially when it just blew up at the theaters like that. Um, Also, uh, I think it was, I read in 2014, the actual Pee Wee Herman's bike sold for $36,600. So... There you go. I mean, that's not really a huge price tag for something as awesome as that bike was. So, let's see here. Inside the magic shop in the front entrance is a picture of Elvira, who is played by Cassandra Peterson. Um, you'll later see her on in this movie as the bike biker mama. Um, we'll do some cameos here in a little bit. Uh, let's see here. The uh, drive-in sequence at the end of the movie was filmed at the Studio Drive-In, which is uh, formerly located in Culver City, California. The studio was built in the 1930s and was the first drive-in theater constructed in California. What well, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, it's probably going to be making a comeback, or at least uh, drive-ins are making a comeback at least around here. Um, it served as a set for several films, including a movie we've covered before, Grease, from 1978. Unfortunately, this was actually closed in 1993 and was demolished in 1998. There is no remains of this drive-in. That's just sad. Um, Paul Rubens. Uh, <laughs> if you remember where he goes to the bike shop and he runs back and he's like, my bike, it's been stolen. And he passes out and he knocks over a bunch of bikes. He was actually very sick with the flu um, when he came to film that scene. So uh, that... It's good acting there that he got that done. Maybe he passed out real. I don't know. But I'm just saying that he was, they say that he had the flu really bad. Um, one thing that you'll notice is that there's a lot of Batman references or uh, I guess you could say um, shout outs to Batman. Uh, 
Paul Rubens, who played Pee-wee. He actually appears in Batman Returns in 1992, which I don't remember. Maybe I do. I don't know. I'll have to go back and watch that. It's been a while. And then he also played in the uh, Gotham TV show in 2014, where he plays uh, both of them. He played different versions of the Penguin's father. I remember that now. He was the Penguin's father in the uh, Batman Returns. Um, also, let me go ahead and get all this out of the way about the Batman stuff. While I can, if I can keep, I try to mark them down by Batman, Batman, so we can actually see everything. Um, bear with me one second. Uh, yeah, when, uh, when, if you remember at the beginning of the movie, when Pee Wee slides down the pole at the beginning of the movie, uh, in his pajamas, and he goes from his pajamas straight into like his uh, suit with a red bow tie. It's a nod to the Batman 1966 TV series, um, where they slide down the poles in the Wayne Manor to get to the Batcave. Um, like I said, um, uh, Tim Burton, um, actually did the 1989 Batman movie. Um, also the Batmobile from the 1966 Batman TV series, um, in which James Roland Ma- uh, Monty Landis played guest roles in that, but they can be seen driving through the Warner Brothers studio lot when, uh, Pee-wee's on his bike. Uh, let's see here. There's some other stuff. So I guess if I come to the other stuff, I'll go there instead of going through all these notes right now. So, all right, back to it. Um, the rock man, uh, I thought was funny was, uh, where Pee Wee steals his bike back and he's riding through the back lot. This actually twisted sister, uh, singing, um, on, uh, on their on their video shoots and if you look closely you can see one of the boom mics there and the funny thing is why would you need a boom mic when they were lip singing anyway because it was playing over the stereo or whatever so I thought that was interesting too uh, when uh, if you remember when Pee Wee first steals his bike back and he goes around the corner he runs into like two elephants um, originally there was supposed to be uh three elephants but one got stuck in traffic for that day and the scene had to be re uh was the sun was the scene was had to be done that day so they just went ahead and redone it with two elephants instead of three um many of the actors in this film also appeared with uh, paul rubens in his uh, peewee's playhouse television spinoff show um they they all played different roles in what they played here but a lot of them were in this movie um, one of my favorite things is where Pee-wee goes to the magic shop at the beginning uh, to stock up on some James Bond stuff, as he likes to say. And I think that's kind of why he wears that suit and the tie, because he wants to, you know, he's dressed to kill. And uh, he's always in there looking for some James Bond stuff, and he gets all those little gadgets. But um, one thing that's interesting is that when Mario, uh, the owner of the magic shop, so- shows Pee-wee like, the different heads and everything... The largest head he shows Pee-wee is actually Aleister Crowley. Um, I'm not going to take the time to dive into who Aleister Crowley is, but he was the evil man. Um, some say, you know, the Satanist, uh, Church of uh, Satan, uh, stuff like that. So I thought that was really, um, really interesting uh, that they would choose to put that in there. Um, let see. Let me get the rest of the magic shop stuff while I'm here. Uh, oh, by the way, Paul Rubens and Diane Salinger both had cameos in Batman Returns in 1992. Uh, she played, and he played, both of them played the Penguin's parents. Oh, when Pee-wee goes in the magic shop, uh, there is a Stormtrooper helmet on the shelf. 
And Paul Rubens would later voice RX-24 in Star Tours in 1987. So I thought that was interesting. Big Star Wars fan myself, which we still have to cover. Uh, I'm just trying to wait for Terrence to get back through all of his stuff. Uh, straightened together. So, Alright, so... Um, another homage uh, paid to Alfred Hitchcock is when Pee-wee turns around while looking for his bike and there are a bunch of wheels spinning behind his head as an homage to Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, kind of like the Vertigo scene where the uh, it's just spinning. Um... Now, Large Marge, we're going to talk about her for a minute. Uh, Large Marge was the truck driver lady who gives Pee-wee a ride. Um, and you see where she says uh, she's driving. Well, when they pulled my body from the twisted wreck, it looked just like this. And she looks at Pee-wee, and it's classic Tim Burton special effects. And, you know, her eyes pop out, her tongue rolls out. Um, it kind of reminds me a lot of Beetlejuice, a lot of the little special effects that they put in there. But uh, one thing is that her at the diner that the, she drops him off and she's like, "Tell him Large Marge sent you." So he walks in and they're all looking at him, and he goes, uh, "Large Marge sent me." And they're like, "What'd you say?" She's like, "Yeah, Large Marge sent me." They're like, "That's impossible. Her death was January 11, nineteen seventy-four," and says it's exactly ten years ago today. So um, this is supposed to the movie's taking place in January nineteen eighty-four. So. Uh, but you, there's a scene, um, I want to I can't remember where it was, but they was like, uh, oh, it's in, it's when Pee Wee's in Texas and there's some sort of parade going on. And that parade happens in November. I think November 1st, if I can find it in the notes, I'll get to it. But, uh, so is it in January? Is it in November? Really? You're giving us different timelines throughout the movie. So, or different dates that it could be in this movie. So we really need to know which one it is. Unless he's just traveling all over, but I don't think he would have wasted so much time to travel that far, and it wouldn't have taken two months. Um, Alice Nunn, the lady that played Large Marge, um, Pee-wee told her, he said, look, he's like, or Paul Rubens, he said, look, you're going to be remembered. Your Large Marge character is going to be one that will be remembered. He's like, no matter what the rest of the film does, um, your character will be remembered. And what was really touching, I thought, is that he met her. He finally got to go back and meet her shortly before she died. And she told him that she was glad that Paul told her because she would have been completely shocked otherwise. Um, the large march sequence, the whole thing of where she gets picked up and it's a ghost, whatever, um, is almost verbatim to the story in Phantom 309, written by Tommy uh, Fell and sung by Red Sovine. Uh, Pee-wee's Big Holiday in 2016 also has a scene based on a country song. Um, this is actually the first, I don't want to say trilogy, but I guess there is three of them at least. Uh, there was Pee-wee's Big Adventure, uh, Big Top Pee-wee, where it's the one where they have this circus come to town. And then they, in 2016 and Netflix, you can still see, I think it's Pee-wee's Big Holiday. Um, it's not bad. It's glad to see him get back. Um, you know, he made some mistakes in his life. Um... But that was like 29 years ago. And, you know, everybody deserves a second chance. So as long as he owns up to it, um, I'm not going to go into it on this podcast because it's family friendly. But um, this movie is funny. And just because an actor or actress does something in their personal life that I don't agree with doesn't mean that they didn't make a great movie or a movie I could like. Um, will I go out and support that uh, person? No, probably not. But does that mean I'm not going to like the movie anymore? No, probably not. I mean, I still enjoy the movie. If I like the movie, 
and somebody goes out and does something, I still like the movie because they drawn me into the movie. But that doesn't mean I have to go uh, participate and give that um, person any more of my money. You know what I mean? Um, let's see here. The funny thing, uh, Paul Rubens said that he, Phil Hartman, and Michael Barr, so all the writers of this had never written a screenplay prior to this film. They purchased a book by Sid Field on how to write screenplays and did exactly what the book said. As a result, this movie is sometimes used in screenwriting classes because it fit the screenwriting paradigm. Or, yeah, another Terrence word I missed. Um, the film is 90 minutes long and the script is 90 pages long. Um... The Mr. T cereal that's eaten by Pee Wee at the beginning of the movie actually did exist. And yes, I'm old enough to remember I actually had that cereal. Um, I used to call it the Mr. T cereal, which is what it's called. But um, I was a big A-Team fan growing up. Uh, so when you see Mr. T's face on the cereal box, you had to have it. And I remember dri- uh, not driving, but going through the grocery store. And I remember saying the Mr. T box is a cereal and the thing. So that's pretty cool. Uh this is not the first time the Warner Brothers had a backlot that was used extensively for comedy in a film. Uh, we can all remember Blazing Saddles did it in 1974. So that was, what, 10 years earlier? Um, Blazing Saddles is one of those movies that we might have to cover. Uh, we're going to have to do so gingerly because of the political correctness and uh, some of the stuff that was done and said in that movie. Uh, I'll just say me and Terrence will talk about that and see what 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 we come up with. Um, we talked about that already. Um, this is one of unusual for Tim Burton that nothing actually bad happens to Speck in this movie. He usually does some bad things to the dogs in the movies that he plays. Um, here's one that I thought was funny, and uh, those of us that are old enough to remember the old movie critics, critics Siskel and Ebert. Film critic Gene Siskel rated this one of the worst films of 1985 and even slammed it as a worst of 85 special on his TV show at the movies. And he said the following about it. For me, Pee Wee's juvenile humor, I guess, works better in seven minute skits. That's the only conclusion I can draw from my negative response to this movie that just didn't make it for me. Roger Ebert, on the other hand, said, who he admits... He had not seen the movie. Said it looked funny, though. <laughs> Today, this movie is, is a comedy classic. Um, yeah, uh, it is a lot of juvenile humor. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it's juvenile humor, but I find that funny. So um, that's just me. Um, all three of the writers actually appear in this uh, film uh, at some point. Uh, Phil Harmon plays one of the reporters. Uh, Michael Vorhall appears as a photographer, and Paul Rubens plays Pee Herman. Uh, many of the movie's props came from the personal belongings of Paul Rubens. Um, I thought that was pretty cool that he had some, a lot of that stuff in the movie. Um, Pee Wee's female disguise was influenced by olive oil from the Popeye cartoons. If you remember when he's escaping, he's escaped prison uh, with that guy that ripped the, mat, uh, the Do Not Tear mattress tag off. And they're driving. Uh, that was based upon olive oil. Uh, see here. Oh, in the in the biker scene when Pee Wee's doing the tequila dance on top of the bar, Paul Rubens really did hit his head. So the reaction that you see in the in the film is real. He really did hit his head there. 
Pee Wee's house is only about 0.6 uh, miles away from the restaurant where Sarah Connor worked The Terminator in The Terminator from 1984. Uh, this film was released the same year as another Warner Brothers feature film about a man who sets out to recover his stolen vehicle in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Uh, Tim Burton has a real phobia of chimpanzees, so it was kind of um, weird that when Pee Wee runs into the pet shop, he freezes the first thing he freezes is a chimpanzee to help him release some of the other animals. So it's one of the funniest scenes, you know, Pee Wee, the pet shop's on fire, and he's going back and forth, back and forth, carrying out these animals. And he keeps passing the snakes, he keeps looking at them like, ugh, ugh, you know, and he finally runs out, and he's got them in both hands, and he passes out. Uh, let's see here. All right, here's some notable cameos. Uh, John Paragon, the man dressed in the red armor with the high voice, was also later Jombie and Terry in Pee-wee's big, uh, T- Pee-wee's uh, TV show, Pee-wee's Playhouse. Uh, Jombie, we all remember as, you know, Mecca Like a High, Mecca Heine Ho. Uh, and Terry, I think, was the pterodactyl. Uh, Tom Berenger played the patron that turns around in the diner after the large Marge sequence. Uh, we talked about Elvira being in there, the biker mama. Uh, Phil Harmer, uh, the writer, was uh, the reporter interviewing Francis at the drive-in. Um, he actually plays uh, Captain Carl from PB's uh, TV show, too. Lynn Marie Stewart, the impatient mother superior in Kevin Morton's movie, is Miss Siobhan, the most beautiful girl in uh, PB from PB's Playhouse. Uh, so I thought that was cool, too. Uh, James Brolin and Morgan Fairchild as PW uh, and Dottie. Uh, so when they, at the end of the movie, where they're watching the movie of the movie... Uh, they call P.W. Herman, you know, because they wanted it to be like James Bond. You know what I mean? More sophisticated. Because uh, they didn't want a big, tough spy named Pee-wee. Um, Professor Toro Tanaka was Francis's butler. And Tim Burton. Yes, Tim Burton actually makes a cameo where he's the thug who comes across Pee-wee just before he enters the fortune teller studio. Uh... So here we go. We'll talk about some of the um, oops, if you will, in the movie. At the beginning of the uh, car chase scene on the studio lot, the security carts are all unplugged from the wall as they were all electric carts, golf carts. But when they, uh, you see them driving around later, they all act like they have little music in them. They're making noises like their gas probably like me. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um... When the 1959 Edsel convertible goes over the cliff, the rear quarter windows go from being down to up to down again. <laughs> and here's something else. This is one of my favorite scenes in the movie, too, is when Pee-wee and Francis are fighting in the bath. You know, he's like, what'd you do with my bike, Francis? And Francis is in this bathtub, and it's like the size of a swimming pool. And he's like, I didn't touch your bike. And Pee-wee locks the door, and he's like, what are you going to do now? Scream, nobody can hear you or save you now. You know, and he jumps in. Well, after they get done fighting in the pool and the show's Pee-wee again, his face is a little wet, but all of his clothes are completely dry. Also, the amount of toys that are in Francis's bathtub, they change throughout the scene where they're fighting, so it's really hard to know what all was in there. Uh, when the In the bicycle chase scene, when one of the uh, bandits reaches over and grabs the handle of Pee-wee's bike and he pulls it out and pushes the button for another one to come out, uh, the one that comes out does not have a tassel, but in the shot, like right after that, there's a tassel back on there. So I don't think it grew a tassel. Um, so I think that was just a little continuity error. 
Um, there's a scene where Pee Wee's leaving the park. He's driving his bike down the road. Uh, there's a red Mustang on the right side. And then the next frame we see is actually a blue car where the Mustang was. Uh, let's see here. Well, when Francis goes to open the bathroom door, he is wearing a striped towel around his waist. However, in the very next shot, when his butler falls into the tub, he is seen holding the towel in his hand. Um, when Pee Wee brings the animals out, uh, the dogs out from the burning pet shop, he tells the dogs to sit, which they do. But then in the next shot, you see them all wandering around. Um, the positions and numbers of the visitors to the park change in every single shot. During the uh, robbery briefing in Pee Wee's basement, where like the whole neighborhood's gathered, the shot of his dog Speck shows Dottie's feet in the background, but Dottie does not arrive until the meeting until later. The um, let's see. When Pee Wee waves goodbye to Simone, his hand is waving near his face, but in the next shot, the hand is above his head. So just a just a little slight miscalculation. Uh, when Mickey and Pee Wee go down the highway, Pee Wee's bike is seen on the back of a truck in the lane to their right. Uh, he's turning, talking to Mickey about how his bike's missing, and um, you can see that it goes up an off an off lane ramp. Um, but in the next shot, where you see Pee Wee and Mickey driving down the lane, they're still in the two lanes. So uh, they were driving on the shoulder at that time, is what you're lead to, led to believe. Uh, during the rodeo scene, uh, you can see part of the mechanical bull that Pee Wee uh, is riding instead of the real one that they say he's riding. A sound guy is visible in the window at the concession stand when Andy chases Pee Wee from the bus station to the par- parade. Uh, let's see here. The trailer large march semi is towing changes in one shot when the truck is seen zooming along the highway. The trailer has horizontal ribbing and a slight drop deck, but after dropping Pee Wee off at the truck stop... Her trailer changes to a stick with a vertical ribbing. Uh, when Pee Wee goes to get his bicycle from his hiding place in the scene at the beginning of the movie, we see gray trousers of a crew member in someone's hand inside the left side of the door. Uh, the camera shadow briefly visible on Pee Wee Herman at one point when his bike was stolen and then glances down at the clown animatronic. Uh, during the bike race at the beginning, the shadow of a car is briefly visible. Uh, you can see several several things. You see like matte things, like the um, where Pee Wee launches his bike at the end over the uh, the barbed wire fence. A uh, crew member can be seen wearing sunglasses. The lower right hand screen, um, and also there's some things that don't add up. Like, PB calls from Pacific Bell Payphone in a Texas biker bar, and Pacific Bell does not run out of Texas, I'm told. Um, there's also snow-capped mountains and various Texas scenes. Um, the uh, exact same buildings are visible in the background when Pee-wee and Hobo Jack begin singing on the train. You know, the Jimmy Catcorn, I don't care, and they keep singing a bunch of stuff. And then uh, same scenery, and then also when Pee-wee jumps off the train because he's had enough. Uh, when Mickey and Pee Wee are both saying the law back and forth, uh, the scenery to the right of Pee Wee changes abruptly from a lush meadow with trees to a huge rock wall. Um, some people say these are these are um, errors, but they're not really. Um, like when Pee Wee and Simone go in to watch the sunrise, they enter a, a red T Rex, but exit a green T Rex. That's because it was being lit with a red spotlight. 
Um, the Day of the Dead parade is that parade from earlier that I was talking about. Uh, so I, that's the one that was November 1st. Um, one thing that was always uh, interesting to me is that the car that Mickey was driving uh, with him and Pee Wee, and Mickey was the um, guy that escaped from prison with Pee Wee, that it was either registered to him or stolen. Um, in either case, the police uh, inspection would have revealed, you know, hey, this is not, this is a stolen car or this is who they are, making their disguises irrelevant. It wouldn't matter what they look like. Um, and also when Mickey and Pee Wee stop for the police roadblock, Mickey shifts the car into park when they stop and then hides his hands with the handcuffs on it between his legs. After the conversation with the officer, Mickey never lifts his hands out from between his legs to shift the car back into drive to move forward. Uh, when making breakfast, <laughs> when Abraham Lincoln flips the fifth and final pancake, which sticks to the ceiling, you can see the pancake hit the ceiling and then bounce to the side, revealing that the filmmaker simply dropped pancakes on the floor, then inverted the shot. Talk about a little movie magic there. Uh, when P- This is one that always got me, and I noticed this even as a kid. Me and my cousin used to talk about it. But when Pee-wee moves his bike chain from his container, I mean, he's got this big old long chain that he's going to chain his bike up. You can watch at the bottom of the screen where he's pulling the chain from, and if you look underneath, the, the chain's coming out of the bottom of his bike too, so it's just like... A, bottomless hole that he keeps pulling it out of makes you think it is but you can actually see the chain at the bottom uh let's see here uh when being peewee's uh peewee's breakfast is being made the orange being squeezed in the juicer is clearly a foam rubber ball uh when peewee enters the magic shop the image is flipped most likely to facilitate being able to read mario's magic shop on the shop door as a result the hanky in his left hand suit pocket is switched to the right a peewee stunt double can be seen when he falls off the bike in front of the kids. Uh, like I said, there's a bunch of mat lines um, visible where peewee does his bike jump. Uh, as, Pee- as peewee and Mickey both drive away from the police checkpoint, the road is marked with a solid white line on the uh, on the right shoulder and a double yellow line on the left shoulder. These markings uh, denote an undirectional two-lane highway. It is re- In the very next cut, the white line is on the left shoulder and the yellow is on the right. So now they're going the wrong way. And this is probably one of the funniest things I, I saw about the movie is the headlight glasses that he puts on and turns on. They're actually just Fisher-Price binoculars, you know, <laughs> that you can go buy. Uh, just before the bull jumps over the gate after Pee Wee rides, you can see the crowd change in the background. And there's obviously a dummy used as an extra uh, for Large Marge right before her facial expression. And here's some things that I found uh, real quick. I was doing some last-minute research. This movie was actually supposed to be a remake of the Disney classic Pollyanna. It was going to consist of Pee-wee coming to a new town. And by the end, all the people there would uh, love him and come come to love him and come to appreciate him. That was until the studio gave Pee-wee... Or Paul Rubens, a 1940 Schwinn bicycle to ride around the studios. He ended up loving that bike, and so he retooled the show, the whole movie, around that. He said Warner Brothers thought this was going to be the Warner Brothers thought it was a weird movie. They just didn't think it was going to do very good, so they only did a limited release. And then, as soon as they saw that it was gaining popularity. They dropped in in and made a whole bunch more money, uh, forty one million, so forty times what it, the budget was. Uh, 
Large Marge. It was voted the number five in the 25 scariest moments in non-horror movie. Uh, You may ask, what's Paul Rubens up to these days? Um, As of 2020, the last thing that I could find, um, he was supposed to be going this year on a 25-city, two-month tour across uh, across the United States, um, across the country. Uh, Number one, to promote the 35th anniversary of Pee-wee's Big Adventure. But also, I think he's got some new comedy coming out. But then this stupid virus of this COVID-19 and it's kind of through uh, plans, uh, wrenches and everybody's plans. So I'm not really sure if that's still going on or if he's still continuing to do it or if he's going to reschedule it. Uh, but it would be cool to go see, I think, just to meet Pee-wee. So there you have it. The Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, like I hope my dad is feel better. I hope it just gave me a little bit of... Laughter, just thinking about it. Maybe go pull out the old DVD, blood dust it on, maybe even VHS, and put in the old VCR. Um, so remember, if you have any questions, um, you can write us at the tragedy of cinema at gmail.com. I check those uh, the email almost every day. Um, if you leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcast, uh, that gives us moves us up the charts. Um, we have so many international listeners. I've lost count of the actual uh, countries. Uh, but just to let you know, we love and appreciate each and every one of you for listening uh, to our show. Um, I am working on, um, with one of our Australian listeners, we are working on a merchandise shop. I had everything once before set up. And I fell through at the last minute. Um, my Our logo got rejected for some reason and been trying to go back and deal with that. So we just decided to go somewhere else. Uh, so hopefully we'll get that straightened out soon. Also, there is some special stuff I'm working on. I got a couple of special guests still lined up to come in, uh, working on the notes for those right now. I know Eric Cummings will be coming back. Um, I know Patrick Goodnight will be coming back, and then there will be something special released that uh, me and Patrick are working on. I'm not going to tell you what it is right now because I don't want to uh, say anything about it until I can make sure everything is done for it. Um, but we have already got some stuff recorded for you for it, and I think it'll be a fun time. So be on the lookout for that. Hopefully by my birthday in October, we want to release all that. Um, so like I said, uh, tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell a friend of me, uh, we love you guys and we'll see you again soon. And that's a wrap on this episode and cut.